The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Welcome today. Thank you for joining us. I'm going to share a prayer with you and pray over our time together before we worship. Father God, thank you for your provision, your guidance, and your wisdom in this difficult time. Thank you for being with our leaders, being with our families, and being near and dear to us in our hearts. As we enter into this time of worship, would you fill us with your joy, fill us with your spirit that provides peace and comfort, and draw us closer together as we feel further apart. Only you can do that in a unique and special way. Um, so thank you for who you are, and I pray that your presence and your guidance would lead us forth each day. In your name we pray, amen.
Marcelo Robles. I'm a pastor in Buenos Aires, Argentina, a city that Pastor Chris has visited many times. We had the privilege of uh, sharing many good steaks and uh, good wine. And uh, we have the hope and we trust the Lord will allow us to continue on doing so for many years ahead. Today, uh, Ecclesia, we come uh, together as La Misión, knowing that uh, we are part of a much larger story that in a season like this where many people even hold more tightly to what they have, God's people are always challenged and called to generosity, believing that He will do far more as we gather resources together than any of us can do alone. 
Ecclesia, you, your community, your pastor, Pastor Chris, your team has have been a great blessing to us and to our city and to our country and we are grateful to come together as one body in Christ. So let's bring our offering to the Lord and let's, let, let us ask Him to continue to do in and through the life of the church even more for His glory. Join me in this prayer before the Lord. Almighty God, you created everything in the heavens above and in the earth below. You survey all your creation and you savor its beauty and appreciate its goodness. To you we lift up the best we have to offer from our time, talents and resources. We give freely from what we have received from your hand. We give joyfully with the gratitude of our rescued people. We give generously with excitement of children at play. We join with your mission and with your kingdom. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for letting us to be part of this time together. We want to thank you for your prayers and la misión. The Lord is allowing us to be uh, serving in our city, in our community, uh, in a particular and very specific ways, and we ask you to pray for us. The Lord has allowed us to serve uh, to uh, almost 250 families uh, on a weekly basis, providing food, providing uh, uh, things that they need to eat, Uh, the crisis in Argentina not only relates with uh, the, the coronavirus, but uh, especially with the economic crisis that we've been going through, great inflation in the last few years. And now uh, many people that live on a daily basis are lacking the means to uh, provide for their homes. Uh, they can go out because we are, we are in an enforced uh, quarantine right now. So uh, the church has been able to provide for the needs uh, through, uh, through provision of food and uh, other elements. And Ecclesia has been a key part of that. And so we thank you, we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being so loving and so caring for us. We love you and we hope to be able to share together in person soon. May the Lord bless you. Thank you. see this is Pastor Chris and I wanted to share just a few things with you today. We are blessed to continue to be the church in this season. Uh, God's still calling us together and we had our first in-person gathering. We call it Evensong and we're hoping to do this again really soon. A week ago on Saturday night many of you joined us. Many of you stayed in your cars to stay safe. Uh, we worshiped, we had a time of prayer. Mike Yeager led us in one of the most beautiful prayers of the people for our nation and the world. And you could see me running around taking photos, wearing my mask, and you couldn't see it through my mask, but there were tears in my eyes just to be together again. 
Uh, we can't do this every week right now, but we can do it from time to time. And you're gonna hear more uh, in the near future about another worship gathering out on the grass. You can stay in the car, listen on FM radio. You can come out, sit in one of the circles that have been appointed. And we're gonna find safe ways to worship together because we're God's people. Ecclesia, I wanna tell you about one of those remarkable Ecclesians that's making a difference in this season. Our dear brother, Kevin Wang, is a nurse. He's actually a new nurse and they placed him already. Can you imagine being a new nurse and you're placed in the COVID unit for Memorial Hermann Southwest? He's been serving in that unit faithfully. His wife, Julia, nominated him for this award. And she told us stories about him caring for one of the patients there with COVID that just didn't have a phone charger. And you know what he did? He went out and bought him a phone charger. In the midst of serving those patients, he and his wife have also been doing what so many Ecclesians have been doing every week, going to our drop-off points here at downtown and on the west side to bring donations for the homeless as we try to serve the homeless. He's been serving people faithfully, lovingly, and he believes he's doing it with the call of Christ on his life. And today we celebrate Kevin Wang and so many other Ecclesians. Congratulations, Kevin, for winning this week's We're Gonna Make It Through Award. Many of you are doing much of the same kinds of things. And I wanna remind you about some of those opportunities. We have brokered a new partnership with Small Steps Nurturing Center. It's a school here in Houston that serves uh, low-income families. And what they learned from their kids in the wake of this quarantine is that almost all of their parents are unable to work. They were working hourly jobs, they haven't been able to work, and thus there haven't been the groceries that they need. And those kids have been eating at school. Um, you have an opportunity, you can go to the website for Small Steps Nurturing Center here on the screen, and you can find volunteer opportunities to gather food boxes and to be able to bring those and deliver those to families in need. I also want you to know that just by being an Ecclesian, by donating each week through text or automating your giving on the website, we're doing things together that none of us could do alone. Uh, one of those is that we've transformed the kitchen here in Paperco. While Paperco is closed, we have a staff now that is creating uh, pastries and baked goods and all kinds of great items. This week, they're working on kolaches. Doesn't that sound great? And we're bringing them to hospitals and first responders all over the city with a message from Ecclesia that says, we love you. We're going to continue to hand out that we're going to make it through signs. I want to encourage you, come grab one for your yard, grab one for a neighbor, and remind them that Christ is with us in this difficult season. There are things that each of us individually can do, and there are things that we're doing together as a community. Uh, Pastor Mitzi here at our downtown campus has invited us in opportunities to bring masks to the homeless, and many of you have responded. We've got people bringing homemade masks, donating masks. We're also providing more than 500 meals every week for our homeless brothers and sisters. I know they feel loved and cared for by our church in this season, and we wanna continue to serve in beautiful ways. As we go beyond Houston, we're continuing to provide 1,000 meals every day at the border of Venezuela. I've got to tell you, Ecclesia, I love the people of Venezuela and the needs are so desperate. These meals are literally the difference between life and death for our brothers and sisters there. This is a big part of what we're called to do. And I'm grateful that God has called us to it together. 
In Buenos Aires, our dear brother Marcelo Robles and his church, La Misión, their economy was already in shambles before this hit. And you've got people that aren't able to work. Because of our funding, we're able to provide food for people that desperately need it. This is what it means to be the church. And I wanna remind you, those are the things that we can't pick up and do on our own. We can look out for a neighbor. We can bring them a sign. We can bring them a meal. We can look out for the kids in our community. We can pray for them and lift them up. We can send kind text messages to people. But when we all come together with our budgets and resources, we work with our partners across the globe. God does beautiful things. This season's not easy but we are continuing to be the church that God made us to be. I'm grateful today that our dear brother, Sean, is gonna share an important message with us about how we seek beauty and we find beauty, even in difficult circumstances. I'm praying today that these words will be a blessing to you. Hello, Ecclesia. You know, I've spent my adult life talking, and so it's really rare when I'm in a situation where I don't know what to say or haven't been able to plan what I want to say. But I had this incredible experience about 10 years ago. I was sitting in my church office and the phone rang. No one else was there, so I answered it. And it was a 27-year-old woman and she was in a hospital here in Houston. And the reason that she was in the hospital, she explained to me that she had recently been raped and beaten. And as she started telling me her story, it went from bad to worse. Not only had she been raped and beaten, but she grew up in a home where she was emotionally abused and physically abused. Into adulthood, she found a friend who helped walk her through her abuse and helped bring her some level of healing. And this same friend introduced her to her local church and it's at that local church that she discovered God and discovered Jesus. But at that same local church, she discovered their pastor. And she explained to me that she started a relationship with this pastor and in that relationship, he was abusive to her. And she sat in her hospital room with no one else around, started calling churches and just wanted to talk to whoever answered. And I was the first one. And she asked me a question I didn't know what to say about. She said, how do you go about forgiving someone? And I know many of you have had relationships, have had times in your life where you have endured a great deal and you want to be the kind of person who emulates, who follows, who imitates Jesus, and you want to be a person who forgives, and we throw that, a word, that word around a lot as if it's the easiest thing to do, but there are times where it's almost impossible to do. And when she asked me this question, I didn't really know what to tell her because all I had when she asked me about grace and forgiveness, all I had were Sunday school and textbook answers that I knew couldn't be satisfying to a person in her condition, in her place. And I, I bet the same might be true for some of you, that if someone were to ask you what grace is or what forgiveness is, like you might give them a Sunday school answer. You might even give them the textbook answer that a lot of us learn in places like seminary and you would say something like, 
unmerited favor, that grace is unmerited favor or an unearned good. Like you get this gift that you don't deserve. And there's nothing particularly wrong with that answer. But that's a really Christian answer. And what I mean by a Christian answer is that the word grace, this ancient Greek word charis, that we get the word grace from, well, that word was around a long time before Christians started to use that word. It was a word that was already used a lot in popular culture. And when the Christian community began to arise in the first century, we added on to it other definitions about unmerited favor and about unearned good. But it's a word that means so much more. Even in our own context, charis, word we get charismatic, where we get charity from, love, means so much more than just unmerited favor or an unearned good. In the ancient world, it was a word associated with the aesthetics, with art, music, writing, poetry. That in that world, when something was beautiful, they said it had a chorus, it had a grace. And so fundamentally, what this word means is a beauty that calls out the best in us and is produced from the best within us. That grace is about beauty. And that gets lost because Christians throughout time have just come up and used the textbook definition, which doesn't actually touch life. Like, could you imagine having an experience in your life or someone you love, you have hurt someone you love, your spouse, your kids, your parents, a roommate, someone who means a lot to you, and you ask for their forgiveness, and they give it to you, and they say, you know what, I forgive you, but you don't deserve it. Laron Schultz describes grace this way. He says, grace is the evocative presence of the aesthetic that calls people toward well-being. God is the absolute beautiful, awakening us to a sense of calling toward pleasurable company. The absolute beautiful that awakens in us a sense of calling toward pleasurable company. So if you've been around Ecclesia for a while, you know that one of our rhythms, the rhythms of our community is to seek beauty. And the reason that seeking beauty is so crucial, so important to who we are as the people of God is because in seeking beauty, we discover grace, we discover God. And grace is more than a transaction. I think for a lot of us, grace is something that God does over there someplace we kind of show up for. It all happens in the cloud. Like we were one way and then God does something and we we're a different way. But the problem with that is if grace is only a transaction, then we just look for it when we need it. We deploy it when we want it. When we think other people have done something that we should forgive them for, even though they don't deserve it. And that leaves so few spaces where God's grace, where our grace actually touches life. Have you ever seen the face of people who don't know grace, people who can't forgive, they lack beauty. 
And not like beauty pageant beauty that's just painted over and false. You know when you are in the company of someone whose life is beautiful. They walk through the world with a sense of dignity and openness and charity to others. That's grace. And you know someone who lacks grace. And it's like they just spread this pool of negativity everywhere they go and no one wants to be around them and no one doesn't want to be around them because of unmerited favor. People don't want to be around them because they lack beauty. And that's why the people in the scriptures who were the most beat down, the most broken, consistently find their way to Jesus. Not because Jesus is going around and tossing out candy of unmerited favor, but because Jesus is, Jesus is beautiful. The way Jesus treats people is beautiful. The blessings that he pronounces over people are beautiful. The way he stops and heals, the way he teaches, the way he feeds, are beautiful. There's this story in Luke 7, where Jesus has been going around and teaching and healing. And there's a guy named Simon, Simon the Pharisee, who wants to get to know more about Jesus. He's heard all of these stories about Jesus. And so Simon invites Jesus over to his house for dinner. And lots of people are always inviting Jesus over for dinner. And Simon gets there and they're having dinner together. And Luke tells us that a woman shows up and she's carrying this alabaster flask of perfume. And the Gospels tells us that this is a woman of ill repute. We don't know exactly what kind of ill repute, but she had a reputation. She opens her perfume and she pours it on Jesus's feet. And she begins to weep at Jesus's feet. It's a moment of beauty. But you know what Simon does? Simon says, if Jesus were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this was. That this moment of beauty is tainted for Simon by descriptors. She is only a sinful woman. And it doesn't matter what she's doing, what's happening right there in his midst. Because she's a sinful woman, he misses the beauty. And so Jesus tells Simon a story. He says, Simon, there were two men who both owed a lender some money. One a small amount and the other a large amount. And the lender decided to forgive them both. Neither one of them has to pay back this money. And Jesus asked Simon a question. He says, which one of these two men do you think was most grateful? And Simon knows, he says, the one who was forgiven much. And then Jesus says this. He says, do you see this woman here? It's kind of funny. I entered your home and you didn't provide a basin of water so I could wash the road dust from my feet. You didn't give me a customary kiss 
of greeting and welcome. You didn't offer me the common courtesy of providing oil to brighten my face. But this woman has wet my feet with her own tears and washed them with her own hair. She hasn't stopped kissing my feet since I came in. And she applied perfume oil to my feet. This woman has been forgiven much and she is showing much love. But the person who has shown little love shows how little forgiveness he has received. Then Jesus tells the woman, your sins are forgiven. Time and again, we see people drawn to the beauty of Jesus. And Jesus sees the beauty in them. At the same moment that Simon was seeing a woman and questioning both the woman and Jesus, he missed their beauty. But Jesus does. He sees their beauty. And so all of these little spaces in life, every time a grandchild runs and jumps into the arms of her grandfather, that's a moment of beauty. That's a moment of grace. When a father and son reconcile with one another after years of distance and isolation and anger, that's a moment of beauty. When spouses who have been at odds finally turn to one another. When, when the children who you have had to school at home and help clean their room and who mess up the kitchen, when they do something after a day of driving you absolutely insane that is winsome and holy, it's a moment of beauty. And that's not the kind of grace that I was taught when I was younger, when I was in school. What what I was taught was the kind of grace that Simon, the Pharisee, was really concerned about. And it's a perfectly good and reasonable kind of grace, but it's very forensic. And forensic means this, like someone's done something to another person to harm another person, and that person forgives them. So, so imagine this. This is the way it happened in my house when I was a boy. Either me or my brother would do something. We'd break a rule. We'd break something. We'd break each other. We would be sort of at odds. And my mom would call us down from, call us downstairs from upstairs. And she would say to one of us or the other, hey, forgive your brother. And we'd look at each other and say, I forgive you. And then go back on with our lives. And that is a really good way of dealing with the world in some circumstances because it reduces conflict. It doesn't make things escalate. But the problem with that kind of forgiveness, the problem with that kind of grace is that people say they do it all the time and then years and years and years later, those two people still can't sit together, can't be together, can't eat together. They, they say that they have forgiven one another. And what they mean by that, what we mean by that, is that we're not really charging it against the other person, but we can't be in relationship. And then there's another kind of grace 
which is just therapeutic. And it too is wonderful. It's the kind of grace that happens in a spiritual director's office or with a therapist where people are at odds. And that would be a scenario where me and my brother are having that same fight or we've done the same thing. And my mom sits us down around the kitchen table and she explains to us again what the rules are and why the rules exist and what one of us did that hurt the other person. And we would come to an understanding and the reason why we weren't doing that and the reason why we wouldn't do it again. And we would know that at the heart of all this is the benefit of the other person. It's an incredibly great gift of grace. But the problem with both the forensic kind of grace and the therapeutic kind of grace is that you don't have to be a Christian to do either. Matter of fact, a lot of non-Christians are a whole lot better at it than we are. And the kind of grace that Jesus offers is redemptive, a redemptive grace. And what redemptive grace means is that we get it all back. All of the broken parts of us become healed that Jesus calls us into well-being, into relationship with us. Everything that went south in the garden is made new, that he brings light to all the dark parts, that regardless of what state we are in today, that through Christ's beauty, we get it back. And what God is doing is he is calling us into an experience. He is inviting us into an experience of his divine beauty so that we can be made well. And that's, that's what Simon can't see. He, he's based his entire world on whether this woman and probably a lot of other people deserve this or not. He doesn't want to be in relationship. He doesn't want to be reconciled with a person like this. He's not concerned about therapeutic grace. And Jesus steps over all of that. And he says that in this beautiful moment, we experience redemption. And so Ecclesia, that's why we consistently invite you into beauty, to be people of beauty who seek beauty in the world. Because when you see beauty, when you experience beauty, whether it's through music or art, whether it's through nature, whether it's through organization, wherever you find beauty, you find God. And you find God's invitation for all of us to enter into well-being, that when we see beauty, what we see is God saying to us, this is the way life was intended. This is a preview of what eternity with me will be. An experience of beauty, an experience of grace. And no, we don't deserve that but we get it anyway. And that's the beautiful thing.
Let me pray for you. God, help us see beauty. And when it feels to us, when we sense that there is no beauty to be seen, give us the eyes, the will to create beauty. Create it in our relationships, create it in our world, around our kitchen tables, in our backyards, with friends over Zoom. That where the world lacks beauty, we will use our tears to clean its dirty feet. And we ask for this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, now we have the great privilege to come to the table. I'm reminded how Jesus gathered his friends on that so important night and he took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he proclaimed, this is my body broken for you, signifying just the great suffering that he was gonna do on our behalf. In the same way, he took a cup, he filled it with wine, and he proclaimed something that changed our lives forever. This is my blood shed for you. And in it, we find forgiveness of sins and just a whole new identity. As we come to the table today, I would like to guide us through a prayer as we just prepare our hearts. This is just, as a family, a simple way that we could acknowledge in some ways that we might have missed it. I will read as a celebrant and you could respond as the people. Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and time again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. Rock of ages, when the day seems long, from this labor and this heartache I have come. The skies will wear out, but you remain the same. Rock of ages, I praise your name. Rock of ages, you have brought me near. You have poured out your lifeblood, your love and your tears to make this stone heart come alive again. Rock of ages, forgive my sin.
It's been good to be together this morning. And at this point, I just want to pause and invite you into a chance that we're going to make a regular part of our weekly rhythm. And that's to pause and pray a prayer of blessing over our kids. And maybe your kids aren't with you. Maybe you don't have kids in the house. That's okay. Um, if you've got pictures of kids down the street, your nieces and nephews, I'd encourage you to pull them up on your phone like I've got mine because you can see my kids aren't here with me. And honestly, maybe your kids are grown. Maybe they're uh, adults. Uh, that's okay to pray this over them too. I can't tell you how it would feel if my dad sent me a text message later to say, hey, this is what I prayed for you. So there's lots of ways we can do this, but it's important that we recognize those small children in our lives, in our midst, and that we speak words of blessing and kindness over them. So would you join me in this prayer? And this one we're going to pull from Numbers chapter 6. This is a prayer that the people of God have used for literally thousands of years. So I want to invite you to pray this with me. So Moses, Reed, and Aidan Elizabeth Brown, may the Eternal One bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Eternal lift up His countenance to look upon you 
and give you peace. In this way, I set his name upon you, my children, and he will bless you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, we thank you for continuing to join us in this season of trial. Our benediction is drawn from John's vision in Revelation 1. May you experience God's favor and rest in the peace that comes from the one who is, who was, and who will be, from the perfect spirit constantly before the throne, and from Jesus the anointed, the witness, true and faithful, the first to emerge from death's cold womb, the chosen ruler over all the earth. To the one who loves us and liberated us from the grip of death through his very own blood and who established us to be priests of the kingdom. May glory and power be his throughout all the ages. Amen. He will capture every eye, even of those who pierced him through. May all this be done according to his plan. Family, this is the story. Go forth to live into it. You are loved. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.